so much. Thank you, Aaron and Sarah, leading us in worship. Some of my favorites were sung today. Thank you also for singing Standing on the Promises While Standing. I used to have a worship leader. We sat every other song and seemed like we're always sitting while we're standing. Sitting on the premises while standing on the promises. But uh, we're glad that you're here today. Would you find in your Bibles uh, New Testament Gospel of Luke? Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. If you'll go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 1, we'll get you over uh, to the other part. New series of messages starting next week uh, with the working title of The Joy of the Lord is My Strength, Finding the Source. We want to find the source of the joy of the Lord. We'll be in Nehemiah looking at building blocks from the book of Nehemiah. So uh, you want to come and uh, be a part of that. No spring break is coming and uh, some of you are traveling. Listen, I encourage you to find a place of worship wherever you might travel. Bring me a bulletin. Don't just go in and grab one and leave. But uh, I kind of collect bulletins so it would be okay. And, uh, but if you're going to be here, come and join us. We're going to have a great time beginning next week always in worship. And we're glad that you're here today. It is uh, good to see you. We're continuing our series of messages uh, this month on Who's Your Three with an emphasis on uh, the Lord laying upon our hearts uh, people who are lost or unchurched and praying, sharing, and inviting with those you see. You've been here probably the last few weeks, or if you're here for the first time, you know there's uh, these cards that are on our altar. They've been laid here on the altar by someone in the worship service. You can do that at the end of the service today. You can just put down name or initial of someone that you're praying for. These are being prayed over, will be prayed over today individually. Pray for the one who laid it. Pray for those who are on the card as well. And, uh, and, but we, while that is the emphasis this month, that's, this is not the end. We hopefully that is setting the pace uh, for continuing to uh, reach more people for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't you like the Young Worshippers Club? I mean, the bulletins, and we appreciate the prayers and the reading of the Scripture. Some have already been read of what we've read today. And you want to keep your Bibles open, keep it handy in Luke 9 and Luke 10. So we'll look at these comparisons. So let's first read Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word today? And then we'll make our way to Luke 10 as well. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1 says, And he called the twelve together, gave them power and authority over all demons, and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave the town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed, went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They want to turn over to Luke 10, Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. We'll read the first nine verses. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages." Do not go from house to house. Whatever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick 
in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. And you may be seated. Passages that we have read today, the first one in Luke chapter 9, there are two parallel passages. Matthew and Mark also report about the 12 being sent out. And then the 72 others that were sent out is only found here in the book of Luke. Most of you perhaps know that uh, a couple of weeks ago that the, this year's Super Bowl, it was the most watched Super Bowl ever in history. In fact, more people tuned into that broadcast than ever since the late last time that that many people were tuned into a broadcast. It was the Apollo 11 moon landing with 123 million viewers watching the Super Bowl. It remains one of the most popular broadcasts in the world. Of course, with the Apollo moon landing, some of you'd have to be a little bit older to remember that, but we only had three channels, and it was on every channel. So, But still, I'm sure that if Taylor Swift had been on the moon, it probably even had more viewers, perhaps. But I do wonder what other people were watching a couple of weeks ago. Now, I realize that you can do more than just watch TV or watch the Super Bowl on Sunday afternoon, but, I, but still, we had 123 million people who saw this. Sure seems strange, though, for a player to come and to uh, shove his 65-year-old coach, no matter how much money he makes. But Travis Kelsey wants Coach Andy Reid to know, in no so uncertain terms, he wants to be in the game. Put me in, Coach. Let's at least give him credit for his enthusiasm and his passion to want to play. We probably can make a couple of other parallels there as well. You know that they were behind at that time. They went on to win the game. We think of the Christian life and the Christian journey. It may see sometimes like we might be behind, but we recognize and we know the victory is going to be assured in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Though I can understand wanting to, uh, in my younger days, wanting to maybe try out a lot of different sports that I played, not being the superstar, I probably spent more time on the bench than I actually did in the game. So I probably said it out loud, put me in, coach, or at least thought about it, at least loud enough that I thought I was thinking about it. Surely he knew what I was thinking, put me in. Unfortunately, my enthusiasm did not match my athletic skills. Fortunately, though, when it comes to kingdom work, enthusiasm, passion, and a heart for Jesus, and taking a part in his kingdom work matters most. For Jesus equips us for the task. You've probably heard it before. He equips the call, does not just call the equipped. And from our passage today and our journey this month, may the Lord prepare and energize our hearts to be ready to do His work and to share with others. We're in the business church of making disciples. Now, as we talk about that, there, that kind of has a twofold part to that. We know that we always want to make more disciples, see more people come to know Jesus. And we want to grow disciples, the growing of all disciples to be more like Christ, fully developed followers. These particular verses deal with the calling and the sending out of the 12 and the sending out of the 72. Most of these or many of these instructions are particularly for the 12 or for the 72. But we're going to look at them today for inspiration, for encouragement, and for advice. And we want to learn today as we make some comparisons of these two commissionings and the sending out of these two groups, how these mission trips 
that Jesus sends these followers on, how these were unique to that time, but also maybe some similarities, things that we can learn about being about the business of making disciples and how you and I can be distinctive disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's learn as we look at some of the differences as well as some of the similarities. For instance, and you've got your notes that you may want to follow along with, we are not all apostles, but we are all disciples. That is, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we talk today, we're going to talk distinctly to those of you that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But in so doing, if you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you're not for sure that you have a home in heaven and you have Jesus in your heart, well, today as we talk through these things, it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will be at work in your heart and life. It's with a precise strategy that Jesus chooses 12 men to be his closest followers. Some would disappoint him more than others. I've always heard that if you want to be a good leader and have great success, you need to surround yourself with good people. Well, I know that's true for Parkway Baptist Church. You are thankful, I know that you are, for your church staff, senior pastor excluded, but I know we have a wonderful staff that are willing to serve the Lord, that have a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ and love you all. We have great servant leaders. We have wonderful deacons. In fact, we're ordaining five new deacons. Do you understand? Five new deacons at one time, that's a big deal. I'm pretty sure it's the most we've ever ordained at once. So if you want to be a part of Parkway history, you can come today at 4 o'clock. We have great Sunday school teachers, ministry leaders, and ministry workers in our church. But what we know about disciples was that there was nothing particular distinctive about them, nothing that the world would call impressive. In fact, if all we had was the gospel story to go on about the character of these men... All these could say is that they were a list of men that nobody knew and made mistakes from time to time. And, uh, and many, many we still know very little about. Now, some we know. As a matter of fact, if you go to the list of when the, the Jesus calls the disciples to himself, he just lists the 12 names except, he says, there's Matthew the tax collector. Of course, we know that he was uh, tax collectors were considered the worst of sinners and traitors uh, to the Jews, there was Simon called Simon the Zealot, a right-wing radical ready to fight the establishment. And then there was Judas, that even when he is called, he is called most of the time as the one who is the, the betrayer of the Lord Jesus. And most all others were fishermen. It's quite a group that Jesus had picked, but says more about the one who chooses than it does about the choice. More about the Lord who uses the weak to confound the wise. But I will give you maybe this thought that perhaps what Jesus was choosing was not necessarily an outward appearance or even who they were at the time, but maybe those who would have a genuine heart as the followers of the Lord Jesus. I mean, my goodness, why would it be any different than, say, the Old Testament story when Samuel went to the home of Jesse in the Old Testament in order to anoint the king of Israel and found the youngest son, David, and anointed him king, not because of his appearance or because of his outward talent, but as the Lord told Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 7, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. These twelve were called out to be the apostles of Christ. Look again, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It says there, And he called the twelve together, gave them power and authority over all the demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal other places we know that these 12 disciples were called apostles. And if we want to make a difference, we'll say apostles with a capital A. 
apostles by definition are those to ones that are sent out as an ambassador. Now, there are no apostles, New Testament apostles today, still alive today, capital A. Apostles of the Bible were this special group of men along with the Apostle Paul who had certain qualifications. They fellowship with the Lord Jesus. They were instructed by the resurrected Lord and commissioned by Him in person to win the world for Christ. Scripture tells us that they laid the foundation of the church with Jesus as the cornerstone. In the parallel passage that we read a moment ago in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, After the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them on ahead of them two by two into every town and place where He Himself were about to go. It's okay to ask, who were these 72? Here, they're just described as the others. 72 others may be in contrast to the 12 disciples. That uh, New Testament is silent about who these were. Were all of these real, genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we would hope that most of them were. When we think about the 12 disciples, we know that only 11 of those were. So one twelfth were not genuine disciples. Maybe it was about the same kind of ratio or percentage there with these disciples who were uh, being sent out as well. In Acts chapter 1, it talks about 102 followers who were up in the upper room. 120 followers who were up in the upper room. Uh, but after the ascension of Jesus before the sending of the Holy Spirit, maybe these 72 were among those particulars. And 72 is significant for a couple of reasons. One, because it reminds us the job of telling others it is not limited to the apostles nor to pastors. Also, that number 72, many Bible students have said that that is related to the 72 countries, some translations say 70, that are found in Genesis 10. 70 or 72 countries are listed, reminding us that the good news of the gospel is for all. And for while none of us are apostles or could ever be, we are to be disciples, students and learners of the truth. You may feel like there's really nothing distinctive about you, but what the Lord wants you to have is a disciple's heart, ready to learn, willing to serve. We find this other comparison of distinctive, uh, those things that are distinct, those things that are similarities. We do not have the same assignments, but we are all empowered for ministry and evangelism. We may not have the same assignments as the 12 or even the 72, but we're all empowered for ministry and evangelism. The first assignment for the 12 were very, was very precise. They were not to go to the Gentiles or to, to Samaritans, only to the lost house of Israel. The second mission team of the 72 was to all the places where Jesus was about to go which would probably include those places of Samaritan villages, of the mixed Jews and Gentiles, as well as other places where non-Jews would be. In all, they were given this fourfold ministry that reflected what Jesus had been doing. Cast out demons, cure diseases, proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal. And Jesus bestowed on the twelve apostles His authority and power. <laughs> they would need it. After all, who would listen to these uneducated Religiously illiterate fishermen and such from Galilee about a carpenter from Nazareth. Because I want you to see the comparison of Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. Look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 2. To where it says, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then in Luke chapter 10 and verse 9, we read it a moment ago, 
They were to heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. They were given similar assignments to proclaim the kingdom and to heal. Do you remember the story of Jesus healing the paralytic who was let down from the roof by four friends? You remember Jesus was there and he said to the man while he's still lying there on his bed, you know, unable to walk, he says to him, your sins are forgiven. Knowing what the religious leaders in the room were thinking, who is this man who thinks he has the power to forgive sin? Jesus said these words from Matthew chapter 9 and verse 6. He said, but you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he looks and he says to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. The apostles, as well as the 72, went out in pairs. Remember that this is a training mission. And they would be gone, and they would come, and they would report back. And the evidence was is that they did have access to the power and the authority given them to minister in the name of Jesus. We might sometimes think how nice it would be for us, oh, if we could have that kind of power, that kind of authority, and to be able to do some of the things that uh, the disciples were able to do. If Jesus worked the same kind of miracles today through you and me. Who's to say that he doesn't or that he won't? I certainly believe that our Lord still works miracles. I know some of you, and I know some of you have seen miracles in your life or in somebody else's life uh, as well. However, this was a special time in the ministry of Jesus. And there was an anointing of Jesus' authority on on the apostles particularly today. We who are children of God, we possess a different kind of anointing. We might even say a better, more precise kind of anointing as well. We're empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why would anyone listen to us? How does the good that we do, how is it any different from a nonprofit or a secular organization in what they do? It is because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to use what we do for His purposes. The difference between a good deed and a ministry is that which is done in the name of Jesus and under the power of the authority of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have read this recently, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, to where it says, In Him, meaning Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Recognizing that all those who are followers of Jesus, that the moment that we receive Christ into our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And that Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, sometimes that Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. We used this verse a couple of weeks ago here on Sunday from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19 to where it says, For I know that through your prayers, the Apostle Paul says, And the help of who? The Spirit of Jesus. This will turn out for my deliverance. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ living in you. The same power, the same authority is in you. Take a look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 6 again. We're staying very close to looking at these scriptures. So if I don't do it adequately in comparisons, you just hang on with me and help me out there. But Luke chapter 9 and verse 6 says, And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. As the disciples were obedient to go out on their first mission, so we were to follow God's instructions for us. Some people claim that they, we do not see the same kind of miraculous healing and miraculous things happening around us today as is reported in Jesus' day simply because we don't have enough faith. 
Well, I might would argue that for the disciples right here. This is early in the ministry of the disciples. Jesus often talked about their lack of faith, but they did have some faith, and some faith is necessary. I think probably what is, or what we find from Scripture that is more necessary, while faith is certainly uh, necessary, what even more so for us, not only to have faith in Jesus, or in addition to that, in order to, what truly unleashes the power of God, it's faithfulness. It's being obedient as children of the living Lord. Just as we remember maybe the Israelites as they were about to come into the promised land led by Joshua, the Bible says that they were stepping to the waters of the Jordan before the waters parted. If we want to see the power of God evident in our life, we must be obedient. Is, is there something that God has asked you that you need to do? Maybe to show an act of kindness or to teach a Bible study or to restore a broken relationship or share a word of encouragement. Maybe it is to share Jesus with a family member or friend or neighbor or even a stranger. If you're traveling southbound on I-65 coming from North Alabama and you drive through Birmingham, just south of Birmingham, just as you come into probably what would be the Homewood area, if you look to your right, you'll see the Raleigh Avenue Baptist Church right there next to the interstate. Well, I grew up in the Raleigh Avenue Baptist Church, and that was the place where I first felt a need that perhaps I need to share Jesus with somebody, and I need to invite somebody. I was probably 9 or 10 years old at that time. And I decided that the first one that I needed to share with was my next door neighbor. They were an older couple who didn't go to church. Every Sunday he'd be out cutting his grass, knew that he didn't go to church. Plus they were really, really old. I figured they didn't have much time. I needed to tell them quick. They were probably 45 years old. <laughs> but I remember going to the door, knocking on the door. I probably never heard him say maybe more than three or four words like, get off my lawn. But, uh, but I decided get all the courage that I could, knocked on the door. The husband comes to the door and I began to tell him why I'm there and I invited him to church. I told him I wanted him to be a Christian so that he could go to heaven. He looked rather puzzled. He looked at me and he kept asking why. Why have I come to his door? Why would I be bothering him? I think is really what he was asking, why he, I would be there. Well, I didn't know what to say. In fact, I don't think I said another word after that. We stood there for the longest time. I didn't know how to say bye. He didn't know how to get rid of me. But finally, one of us said bye, I guess, and uh, shut the door, and I walked back over to my yard thinking, man, I really blew this one. And I really thought, I will never share Jesus or invite anybody ever again. And I'd like to tell you this man, his wife started coming to church and got saved, but we moved not long after that. And uh, uh, so I don't know what happened to him and I thought about that first encounter many times, and I've even prayed for them, although today they really would be old. But here's the thing. I thought I would never share with anybody again, but I did since that first encounter. And I invited others to church. I've had the humble privilege of sharing with others Jesus, and some have come to know Jesus. It's only because of the power and the authority of the risen Lord and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Fast forward about three decades, and I'm with Deacon, and we're going out visiting. We're going to this house. It's way out in the country, and all I know about them is that they're uh, family. They probably are about now. They're a young family in their late 40s, and they probably have a couple. They have a couple of kids, uh, young teenagers or. 
preteen. And so I go and knock on the door. First of all, it's way out in the country on a dark road, and it's an uh, old country house. And, uh, notice out in the yard, there's yapping dogs, uh, lots of, a few pigs and some chickens as we're out there. And I knock on the door, and he welcomes us in, and we come in. Now, before I tell you the conversation, first thing I saw was a snake and an iguana. I decided I would not look around for anything else. I just locked eyes with the gentleman, and he's the only one home. We talked with him, invited him to church, asked him if he knew Jesus as a Savior and Lord. He said, I do not, but I sure would like to. And so we shared with him the plan of salvation. He prayed to receive Jesus. And... Uh, was baptized not long later. I do remember as we walked out that door, Deacon and I were walking, still talking. He's standing in the kind of front door there, and there's a yapping dog near. What do most people say about their dogs? Oh, that dog won't hurt you, or that dog will lick you to death, or something like that. That's not what he said. He said, Preacher, you better watch out for that dog. That dog will eat you up. <laughs> I put my digits in my pockets and... Uh, we got to the car. I, when I sat down in the car, I looked over at Deacon, and I said, Deacon, that was a great visit, but I ain't never coming back here again. <laughs> Not long after we baptized him, several weeks went by, he called me up. He said, would you come back out to my house? My wife would like to become a Christian. I just looked up at the Lord and said, Lord, you were listening. <laughs> well, she became a Christian, was baptized a few weeks. A couple of months goes by. He calls back up. Said, my daughter would like to also become a Christian. Would you come back out to my house? Four times I went back to that house after I said I never would go back. The same source of power and authority given in the New Testament is whereby we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it becomes evident when we are obedient to the Lord Jesus. Speaking of the comparisons, we are not all preachers, but we are all to share the same gospel. Their message was clear. The long-awaited Messiah has come. The kingdom is near is what that means. Ministry, even miraculous ministry, such as casting out demons, cleansing lepers, it is not complete unless the good news is shared. Without the gospel being shared, the good, news, good of the ministry of the apostles would have been in a limited effect. Those who were healed would eventually face sickness again. Even if they were raised from the dead, all except Jesus, they all died again. While physically their miracles brought only limited results, the sharing of the good news give eternal alternatives. We may no longer preach that the kingdom of God is hand. This is what the apostles in the 72 preached. That was their message. We now stand on this side of the cross and we are to share the full gospel that Jesus died for our sins and three days later he rose again and he's coming again. You want to give your heart and life to him. I want you to read perhaps a parallel passage. The same story is told in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6. We've got that and another verse on the screen. But it says there that the 12 disciples would go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, to all the Jewish people first, for the gospel was to go to the Jews first. That was their first mission. Then the later the mission changed to the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We're to share the Jesus with everyone. However, do not let the vastness of the need for the gospel being for everyone let you forget that it is for someone. And while the disciples will go to a particular group of people, I suspect that the Lord has someone particular particular in mind that he wants you to be praying for and sharing with and inviting as well. It's what we're doing with our 
who's your three, encouraging you to continue to do that. It's become part of our vernacular, some of our part of what we say here at Parkway Baptist Church. I have invited my one. I, one of my three were baptized. Somebody that I've been praying for has come to know Jesus. Pray for me as I go and have those opportunities. One of the things that our college group is doing, and Brother Gus has encouraged all of our college, and they're committing to, is that once a month, there are once they're looking to share with at least one person a month. Is it once a month or once a week? It's at least once a month that they're asking. That, so 12 times during the year that they're looking to share the gospel with someone. It's a commitment that they're making. The importance of your sharing the good news with whomever God has placed in your path or your life, it's illustrated in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Maybe you know these familiar verses. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Understanding that word preach, it's the same word that is used in the Gospels when it talks about sharing or it talks about telling. It's not just for preachers, but it is for everyone that tells about Jesus. Now, if we were to invert this verse or these verses, verses 14 and 15, then we might see God's plan to use all of us in the process of evangelism. Beginning in the middle of part of verse 14 and 15, working our way up, we see that Christ sends disciples, and disciples speak. When disciples speak, people hear. When people hear, hearers believe. And when believers call, all who call are saved. Yes, the apostles played a significant role in the ministry of Jesus, but as the last phrase in verse 15 says, that all those who are messengers of salvation, how beautiful are their feet, meaning how significant they are. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, back to our main verses, Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Jesus said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. I want you to think for just a moment who Jesus is telling to pray for more laborers in the harvest. Well, he's telling the 72, but he's telling those who are laborers. He's not asking those who are not already doing something. It often all it also reminds us the fact that when we pray for labors in the harvest, we're not praying for others to do something that we're not willing to do as well. Another comparison, for we do not have the same instructions, but we are all trusting in Jesus. We do not have the same instructions, but we're all trusting in Jesus. Some of the instructions were meant for these unique mission trips. An efficiency expert finished his conference by saying, you do not want to try these techniques at home. Somebody on the back row said, well, why not? He said, well, I watched my wife for years fix breakfast every morning, and she would fix breakfast, and she'd pick up one item at a time and bring it to the stove and the refrigerator and the table. Finally, one day I said to her, honey, why don't you pick up several items at a time so that you might be able to be more efficient? Somebody else yelled out, well, did it work? He said, well, I guess really it did. It used to take her 20 minutes, and now it takes me seven. In other words, he had to do it. For the 12 apostles and for the 70 others, this was like basic 
training. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, verses Luke 10, verse 4. Luke chapter 9, verses 3 and 4 says, And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics and whatever house you enter in. Stay there and from there depart. And then Luke 10, 4 says, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Wasn't saying that you shouldn't be nice and say, Hey, how are you? But in the Middle East, sometimes greetings would take a long time. And he was just saying that you need to stay focused. But for this particular journey, they were not to take anything with them. And they were to trust that the Lord would provide through others. And then verse 7, Luke chapter 10 and verse 7 says, And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, and the laborer labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Don't go from house to house. Don't look for better status as you go. Practical things. Eat whatever put before you. This was said particularly to the 72 because they were perhaps going to Samaritan villages or maybe even the non-Jews and maybe didn't follow all the kosher laws. Jesus had not yet given the instructions about all food is clean. And, but he was saying that whether it be where you stay or what you eat or what you carry with you, don't let it be a hindrance to the good news. How else was their assignment different than ours? When the same story is told in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is not necessarily our assignment today. But we are to minister to people's needs. By the way, I find this verse interesting because we don't have as many faith healers on TV today. But when we were, some of us were growing up, a lot of faith healers would be on TV. They would quote this verse and they'd say, look, we need to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And that's what he was doing. But they wouldn't quote the last part of that verse or the other parts of the next verse. Give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. I'm not saying that God's not still in the healing business, but I'm pretty sure that using healing or any ministry in order to line one's pockets is far from biblical. The 72 others are told to go and look for the man of peace or the son of peace. This may be one who shows them hospitality. This may not be, may or may not be a believer, but may be a potential believer. Missionaries often tell us about looking for this person of peace when they go to somewhere new, somewhere where the Lord's already been working on someone's heart that may not be a believer, but he may be the one or she may be the one that opens the doors first or opens the doors for others to come to know Jesus. Do you know the person of peace still exists? In your neighborhood, in the classroom, on your team, at your job, where the Lord is at work? And through the Holy Spirit, we want to be spiritually sensitive to where the Lord is working and what is needed is encouragement from a person like you or me. And for us to tell about the Jesus we know. Not that long ago, I was at another house. Husband and wife had come to our church. They'd been baptized. And not long after that, the children were baptized. And that husband and wife asked if I'd go and visit their parents. Now retired, lived out on the lake, and went out there one night. And, and uh, I was alone this time and knocked on the door. And as I did, I looked around, fairly large house, and uh, three or four car garage, a couple of boats. Nothing wrong with these things, you understand. I'm just telling you how I felt. I felt very small. And while maybe not very spiritual, I thought to myself, what do I have to offer these folks? And they opened the door and walked in, and they knew me because they'd been to the church for baptisms and such. And 
So we talked for a little while, invited them. I thought it was kind of coming to the close of our conversation. Said, could I, could I pray for you? Do you have anything that I could pray about? And as they began to share, tears began to flow, and they were sharing some of their burdens, some of the needs that they had in their life. And we talked about that, and I said, I'm going to pray for you, but before I pray for you, can I give you my testimony? And I gave them my simple testimony of how I came to know Jesus, and they both prayed and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It looked like they had the perfect life without Jesus. But we know everyone is in need who does not have Jesus, even if they do not know it. Now you understand, I'm not the hero of these stories that I've told you today. Jesus was already at work. But how grateful I am to have the privilege that we are to be his instruments. We just need to be willing. Our instructions are a little different from the apostles and 72 others. We're that we're going to tell everyone about Christ. We're not told that we're not to take anything with us. In fact, oftentimes, particularly in our culture, we want to take stuff with us so that we might be able to share with others as well. But the principle remains the same. As a disciple, your first priority is to please God and to trust Him for the rest. And while we are to share with all, there are those who are ready to hear the gospel. And there are those who we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading so that we might be able to have that opportunity walk through those open doors. Now, it does matter the kind of life that we live. We Lord wants to use people of integrity, those who are ready to follow God's instructions. Never perfect, but daily confessing and seeking to be more like Jesus. Now we're mainly discussing how we are different from the apostles, but this observation in Luke chapter 10 and verse 3 is the same for all. Go your way. I'm sending you out as lambs. And then the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 10 verse 16 says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep. In the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. We could talk more about this, but if you want to fill out those things, for those who are ready to be in the game and part of kingdom building, you'll be like sheep in the midst of wolves. Stay close to the good shepherd. Stay close to Jesus. Like serpents, you want to be shrewd with godly wisdom. And like doves, you often which often represents the presence of the Holy Spirit, the doves do, but we want to seek peace with humility. But today at the conclusion of our series of messages of being witnesses for Christ, we're sending you on a mission. Still setting the pace for the rest of this church here, but this is not a short-term mission. This is a lifestyle, but let us commit together today. Today I will use my time, talents, ties, and tongue for kingdom building. Oh, I saw an alliteration and I couldn't help but use it. But may we use our time, talents, ties, all resources and tongue for kingdom building. Or another way we might say that, put me in coach. I want to be commissioned by Jesus. I am reminded of the prophet Isaiah who said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up on the throne high and lifted up. In the train of his robe filled the temple above stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, two that covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. The house was filled with smoke. 
And I said, woe is me, for I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, go. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your house and that we can read from your word and we can understand and we can make application. We thank you for the privilege of being able to worship today. We also thank you for the privilege of being a part of your work outside of this building. Father, we pray that we might live a life and a lifestyle that is worthy of the following of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we may look for opportunities to do good, show love, and to share Jesus wherever we go. We pray, Father, if there's one here that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation, that they might be ready to call upon you, asking Christ to forgive them of their sins and asking Jesus to be Savior and Lord. Thank you for allowing us for these opportunities. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to be singing our commitment hymn. And if the Lord is leading you to make a decision today, maybe you do need to come giving your heart and life to Jesus today. I and some of our staff are going to be down here at the front. You come. Just let us know that you'd like to give your heart and life to Jesus. Or maybe you need to come for baptism or join the church. We'll be glad to help you with next steps. If you'd like to come and continue to lay names here on the altar of people that you are praying for, you certainly can do that at this time as we sing together. <laughs>